I just like it. to point that out, right? Because yeah. this is not something that right, no. just like, flip the light switch on for any other entrepreneurs out there. Right? That's mm-hmm. not how this works. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, small business advanced tax planning and compliance extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. Uh, Today, I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Josh Allen Dykstra. He's a recognized thought leader on the future of work and company culture, and he is an author and a TED Talks. How many TED Talks do you have? This one. Just one. Okay. And we'll put those out, put that all in the description box. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for uh, for switching up the, uh, the to Zoom call for me today. Um, we'll probably like to have you back in person, but um, we'll get there. Yep, another time. <laughs> you know, maybe in May at this point. Right. Yeah, ho- hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, there's a meme with Justin Timberlake, the the one that's like, "It's gonna be May." <laughs> it's like, when are we gonna get <laughs> out of here? It's gonna be May. <laughs> Oh, let's, let's hope. Uh, let's hope he's right. Let's hope it's sooner than that. Um, yeah. The children here is interesting. Yeah. Um, so what was your first job? First job. Let's see. My, my first job would have been working for my dad who built houses mm-hmm. in a tiny little town in the, in the literal middle of nowhere in South Dakota. <laughs> um, there isn't much in South Dakota to begin with, so it's pretty no, easy to be in the middle. Of yeah, yeah. And yeah, so I, I did all sorts of stuff with him, mostly sweeping floors. And, you know, as I got bigger, I got to do other stuff like climbing roofs and ripping off shingles and stuff like that. But That's funny. Yeah. Worked with my dad in the, in the summers. Those were probably my first jobs that I did. It's interesting. I find most entrepreneurs come from entrepreneurs. Hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, just kind of, yeah. Or they were entrepreneurs at some point, like lemonade stands or wands mm. or yeah. whatever. They had that thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was totally my reality. That was my... I grew up with my dad owning his own business and uh, employing people and yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Um, so how did you get into change management? <laughs> What's um, this, just give me your progression. Yeah. Let's the see, long so, list on LinkedIn. I was like, oh, a lot of stuff here. Well, it's a meandering, right? It's yeah. a strange, strange list, I, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I like to say that my journey starts with music. So I really thought which is not something you'd really notice on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. But um, coming out of uh, college, I really thought that I was going to do music as a oh, career. Wow. I'm a classically trained pianist. I'm multi-instrumentalist. It's got a few albums out there. Um, and I thought, you know, this, maybe this is the way I make my dent in the universe. You know, it's, music's a special thing uh, for people. And um, I thought maybe I could do that. Um, and as I got into that, I realized that the music business was not something I wanted to be a part of and uh, realized I needed to pivot. I, I needed to find something else uh, for, for a bunch of reasons. Um, you know, one of them being that music doesn't actually pay you anything uh, for the most part, for most people. Um, and there's also just a really not, not much correlation between hard work and success in, in the field of music. Hmm. Like I, I'm willing to, to work my tail off. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can do that your whole life in music and actually still not be able to pay your rent. All right. Right. And so, man, is there another way where I can just actually see some more uh, correlation between working hard and actually uh, <laughs> being able to buy food? Yeah. Um, and so I started <laughs> It's kind looking, of important. <laughs> yeah. And so so the, the way that this, this kind of worked, you know, n- none of this was clear at the time, but in hindsight, 
-hmm. I can kind of see that working well as a musician, I, I worked a lot of these random strange jobs, right? Because you need to do something to make money while you play music. Mm -hmm. And so I, I did all of these crazy jobs, but it, and it landed me in nonprofits and it landed me in huge companies and it landed me in retail and it landed me in radio. And I did all these sorts of strange things. Um, and as I, uh, as, I, as I started to kind of get a picture of, of what I wanted to do, I, I kind of looked back at this, this odd meandering career that I'd had. Uh, through all these different kinds of jobs. And I realized that my, the quality of my job deeply impacted the quality of my life. Mm -hmm. If my manager was good, if the culture was good, my life was better. And if my manager was crap and you know, then my life was kind of crap. And so it, it really ended up being this, this kind of moment of clarity for me. And I, I, I kind of looked back at all these, these different situations and I thought, wow, if I could make work, suck less <laughs> for more people right. uh, that could be a big dent in the universe right because mm -hmm. this this experience of work is something we all do and most of us don't actually like it even though we spend the majority of our lives kind of focused on this this one thing mm -hmm. and so just kind of looking back on all that it's it, eventually right i'm making this sound much simpler than it was like this took me many 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 years <laughs> i think most of I think, yeah most of us you know in hindsight a lot of us is just yeah. like oh, okay yeah i just Got like it. to point that out right because yeah. this is not something that right no. like, flip the light switch on for any other entrepreneurs out there right? that's mm -hmm. not how this works right mm -mm. Like, no. it's this is many years of soul searching and thoughtfulness and you know <laughs> sadness and anxiety <laughs> right. right like trying to figure it out uh but eventually it kind of started to become clearer to me that I wanted to you know, really devote my life to making, uh, creating this world, creating a kind of world where, where people could actually love their work. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there's been kind of a long meandering road to Helios. So can you talk about Helios and what Helios does? Um, you know, and I kind of have some experience with that and it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. So Helios, we, we work with large organizations, which mm -hmm. we, we like to say are a thousand people and more. So some of the, okay. some of the bigger companies in the world. Um, and we help them address things like burnout and stress. And right now, especially change. Um, we have all of these, these things that really impact a lot of people when you're inside a big, big company, right? Their mm -hmm. systems impact a lot of people and their decisions and policies impact a lot of people. And so we work with those organizations to kind of upgrade their systems um, in order to create this kind of environment where people can actually say they truly love their work. Hmm. So that's, that's really what we do that we've got a, we've got a, a model where we, we, we uh, train the trainer. So we're, we're a certification kind of hmm. uh, company where we work with their people development team, you know, inside these big companies, they have lots and lots of HR people or learning and development people. Hmm. And so we, we train them in our philosophy, in our approach uh, around uh, energy-based work, mm -hmm. which I can talk more about if you want. Yeah, absolutely, um, I'll talk about that. And so we give them kind of mostly, I, I think what we sell actually is our philosophy. It's this different way of thinking about work. Mm -hmm. And then we do have tools as well that we, we certify them in so they can use our, our assessment and they can use our mobile app. That's um, cool. To kind of help, help this uh, system change happen. What are some of the biggest obstacles in getting those larger companies to actually move on this in a way that's impactful? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's it's just something that happened. It's slow for one, right? It's just um, these these big big systems. They take a while to move, right? They take mm-hmm. a, take a while to to shift. Unless you've got a leader inside there that wants to move quickly, mm-hmm. but with, and in which case they can. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, with you know the uh, in the absence of that, uh, it's very easy for the the big systems to move slowly. Uh, that's kind of their default speed. Oh, yeah. I mean, and then you're actually like dismantling them too, right? We're, we're kind of, yeah, helping them deconstruct the way they think about work and then rebuilding it, you know, mm-hmm. with new bricks. Um, so it is, it's a process. It's, yeah. a pro- it's, a, it's a learning kind of educational process for people. And then mm-hmm. we like to say it's, it's a lot more about unlearning actually right. than it is about learning new things. We're not, we're not teaching a whole bunch of crazy new things. We're kind of just teaching them to unlearn uh, all of the strange kind of dehumanizing things that are baked into the Mm -hmm. organizational systems as they are now. So what are those big things that you're having people unlearn? That's really interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, at the, at the end of this process, so as we, as we think about an an energy-based way of working, Mm -hmm. so at the core of of the Helios philosophy is something that's very simple and it's, it's a simple statement, which is work should energize you. Mm-hmm. work should energize you and so this is very simple to say uh, but what we find is that there's some even some deconstructing that needs to happen around this statement because most people have uh, a kind of a deep-seated belief that actually work should hurt me <laughs> uh, if it's not a little bit painful uh, I'm not doing it right <laughs> <laughs> there, we have no reason to call it work right there's a reason we call it work right yeah. it should, it should hurt me a little bit. And most people have this belief deep down. Yeah. I mean, I think even like emotionally, when you say work should energize you, I'm just like, really? Right. And I mean, totally. I've done a lot of this work too, yeah. but still like the way that we think about work or, you know, yeah. the our ingrained systems on work. Yeah. Makes exactly. us really feel like that. Yeah. So everyone that's alive, right. Is kind of inside this, this uh, current, uh, this understanding Mm-hmm. Um, and this this kind of default perspective that work should should hurt me, um, and so getting people beyond that is actually just maybe the first step, mm-hmm. is to kind of help people unlearn uh, that idea. You know what? You know, so what if work could actually be one of the best parts of your life? Like what if mm-hmm. work could energize you? What if you could actually love your work? Right? This is a compelling thing, I think, and intellectually we all find it uh, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Uh, but believing it is a whole different notion. Yeah. That's, that's, where, that's really where we start as we try to help people deconstruct that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over time, show them how to do it, right? Because that's one of the things that will help us believe it mm-hmm. is when we can actually see it start to happen. And um, that's, that's really when the magic starts I do find like when I work in in ways that energize me, I'm constantly looking for the things that don't. (laughs) Now I can cut them out, right? Because I was like, I want more of this. Absolutely. And less of this. It's the perfect kind of A B test for your life, right? So tech tech nerdville, right? We've got this this idea of an A B test, right? I'm gonna test this on the website or this on the website. Mm -hmm. See which works better. So I think this is the perfect A B test for your life is to say, does this energize me more? Does that energize me more? Mm-hmm. And then just to exactly to your point, I should do more of that thing that energizes me. Like that's the direction I should go. Yeah. And sometimes it takes me a long time to get rid of that thing that drains me. Like that could take me a year 
mm-hmm. right, to figure out how to get rid of it. And, but this is, this is part, of the, part of the magic is to not give up too quickly. Mm-hmm. Like we, we really need a kind of a relentless uh, kind of pursuit of this. Right? Nobody else is going to do this for us. Nobody else is going to create an energizing work life for you. Right? You're, <laughs> your mom's not going to do this for you. Right? You have to do this for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and we can. Right? This is something we can learn how to do. It's just not something that magically happens to us. Yeah. Do you find you have to teach people to like actually feel something about work though? Or like mm-hmm. feel something about different tasks and like give them permission to feel something about it? Because I, because you know, I do find that like, it's how I feel about the task generally that tells me, does this energize me or not energize yeah. me? That, I think that's super insightful. Yeah. Because it's not that we don't feel, mm-hmm. it's that we've learned to ignore the way we feel. Like most like most of work kind of, you know, the, uh, again, kind of the default approach to work mm-hmm. is power through. It doesn't matter how you feel, right? You've got work to do, get it done, right? Work harder, keep going. Yeah. I had a manager once that was just like, we don't do feelings here. And I was just like, that's why you don't keep your people. <laughs> I'll do the feelings. Okay. I'll handle the feelings, <laughs> you know? Because that's actually what's keeping the people here is my ability to actually listen to them and do the feelings. Right. That's exactly what happens. So, yeah, that's, that's the stuff that keeps people uh, sticking around. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I hope, right, I hope that there's fewer and fewer of those kinds of managers. Uh, you know, I know they're still out there. Yeah. Um, we're getting but, there. But we're getting, I think we're making progress, right? Because what we're finding is that's just not an effective way to lead people. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. especially not emerging generations. They they won't stand for it. No, they want nothing to do with it, right? No. We want to feel fulfilled in our work. I'm one of those Gen X millennial cuspers. So it's very, this is very interesting to me a lot of the time because I see both sides, you know, because I get both sides. Um, And my husband's 25 days older than me, but I say he's a boomer. So it's very interesting, Mm. like the way he works versus (laughs) the way I work you know, or the way I feel about work. Um, but he actually just jumped from one large company to another large company. Um, and the second one is a really nice place to work and it's an amazing culture and everybody's happy and they work as teams. And he's just like, where, where am I? Right. Have I hopped into a different dimension? And I was like, this is what I keep telling you about. Right. This is possible. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. And he's like way less miserable. So like you were saying, like your quality of job had something to do with your quality of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I learned that very quick by becoming an entrepreneur and being my own boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, all of that sucked. Let's see if I can do something different, right? right. But when yeah. you're in it, you don't see that. No, it's, it's hard, right? Yeah, there, there needs to be enough, enough kind of space. We talk, we talk, this is a big part of our work too, is giving people, that's why we do a certification model. We actually mm-hmm. pull people out for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. We know that's a big ask mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in today's work world. Um, and we find that it's, it's of paramount importance because without that kind of pattern interrupt, mm-hmm. without interrupting the pattern, it's really uh, almost impossible to get people to see a different possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, yeah, the inertia of just, you know, the, the devil of what we know, mm-hmm. uh, it's, very, it's, a strong, it's a strong bit of momentum. Uh, and it keeps us kind of sucked into the, to the way like we're doing it. I like it. That's really interesting. Pattern interrupt. There's a lot of ways we can pattern interrupt though, right? Mm-hmm. Like we can do other stuff on the side or it's amazing how fast people grow when they have a couple of hustles. Yeah. 
you know, because they see some stuff on this side and they see stuff on this side and they're like integrating them or changing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So talk to us. So um, I've actually taken the strength scope a couple times now. Um, so can you talk about the strength scope and how you use that tool to, you know, help people work in their energy? Yeah. So, so strength scope, uh, despite its name, you know, we, we don't, we don't own this assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, despite its name, it's, it's maybe the best assessment that I've ever come across mm-hmm. because of what it measures. What, what it measures again, despite its name is, uh, energy. Mm-hmm. So it's maybe not initially what you think when you think strengths. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people think uh, what I'm good at when I, when they think about the word strengths. Uh, but this, this assessment doesn't measure competency or ability or what you're good at at all. Mm-hmm. It only measures this kind of intrinsically motivating energy. What moves you towards something mm-hmm. or what kind of, uh, you know, moves you to repel against something. There's certain things that I ma- magnetically feel like I want to move towards mm-hmm. in terms of activities throughout my day, whether it's strategy or collaboration or details or relationships or whatever. Um, and there's other things that maybe just repel me and things that I don't want to do. Maybe it's strategy or details or relationships or whatever. Right? So, or empathy. Empathy yeah. is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, depending on how you're wired with these, this mm-hmm. kind of, we think about it like an energy profile, right? There's, there's a unique kind of fingerprint uh, of you and a unique combination of things that, that help you feel like you're at your best mm-hmm. in your work. And, you know, there's other things that kind of derail you, that kind of get you, knock you off your game and that keep, prevent you from being at your best at work. And StrengthScope is, a, is a, a tremendous assessment that allows people to kind of identify those things. And it gives you a roadmap in a sense, to this state of flow, right? Like when you can be in your zone, right? That, mm-hmm. that place where time kind of flies by and also stands still and right, you look up from your work and three hours have passed, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're so engrossed in what you're doing, right? You're really, you're hyper-focused. Mm-hmm. And you're hyper-productive. And those moments are deeply connected to the way that we would describe it. This is kind of what we mean when we say love your work, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's deeply connected to these states of, of doing more things that bring you energy and flow and less of the things that don't because love, you know, as a construct is complicated. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you just think about it as the ingredients, like what actually makes me feel like I love my work when I go home at the end of the day and I mm-hmm. say, wow, that was, what a great day. Right. I had, I, I really enjoy what I'm doing. And, you know, I feel fulfilled and I feel tired, but I feel accomplished. Mm-hmm. What happened that day? is almost certainly that you did more things that energize you and less things that don't. Hmm. And that's, that's the simplicity of this, right? So again, like the, the focus is really the, the, the core of this. Mm-hmm. It's really, really simple. And the challenge of course comes into play when we try to figure out how to do that, right? How do I actually then create a work day mm-hmm. where I'm doing a ton of energizers, right? That's a harder question. Right. Um, but actually figuring out what energizes me, figuring out my roadmap, figuring out, you know, what things I should do more of. That's mm-hmm. pretty easy with this assessment. Yeah. I, um, so talk about, um, you know, so part of that assessment though is like those strengths in overdrive. Yeah. Um, and I, that was really like the, one of the most insightful pieces for me because, um, you know, spoiler alert, I'm highly detail oriented. Mm. Um, but I can get really stuck in that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So strength and overdrive is, is just something that, that has been taken too far. Mm-hmm. We're using it too much. 
uh, we're using it or we're using inappropriately at the wrong, you know, the wrong time, the wrong situation. Right. So there's a time for details, right. Mm -hmm. And there's also a time to look at the big picture. And that's kind of what this concept's all about is knowing when to dial back those things that actually give me energy because I can overuse them. And this happens with all energizers. Right? So all of them are subject to this same challenge. And, and, and actually, you know, in fact, everything that's good in life, I would right. say, it's is like subject to this phenomenon, <laughs> right? But you can always have too much of a good thing. Mm -hmm. right? This is always true in, in, in all aspects of life, far as I can tell. So in the, in the strength scope language, those things like details, right? It's where I take it too far and I get stuck in the weeds and I, I can't pull myself out mm -hmm. or, you know, you can have too much collaboration where I'm trying to get too much consensus or I'm always trying to get everybody's opinion before I move forward and it paralyzes me, mm -hmm. right? Or I can focus too much on relationship building and I'm focused so much on building relationships that I actually don't actually move anything forward. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so all of these energize, anything that kind of moves you forward, it, it needs to be tempered, right? It needs to, we need to learn. And this is one of those practices uh, that, that we encourage through our body of work. Mm -hmm. And that practice is, is one of the key kind of, I would, I would just say one of the key concepts in, in our work at Helios. Um, this is one of the things that we recommend a lot of practice on because you can never outsource it. Yeah. You, can never, you can never get rid of it. Like this is something that follows you around for as long as you're on this planet. Right. Is, is how well do you manage your energy uh, and kind of help keep it from going into this place of overdrive. And mm -hmm. this is what really gets leaders into trouble. Yeah, this is the stuff that, that drives other people nuts. It's like, oh yeah, we'd love to, you know, work with Josh. We'd love to give Josh a promotion, but mm -hmm. you know, holy crap, that guy, he can't control his enthusiasm. <laughs> he just like spews it all over everybody right? all the time. It's just like, calm down, buddy. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> We're exhausted. <laughs> We're all exhausted by you. Exactly. Right. So knowing how to control or persuasiveness, right? Like mm -hmm. that can become really pushy and overbearing. Mm, so, I know those and, people. Yeah. And, and really what that stems from is something that gives them a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. And they, they haven't yet learned how to control it. <laughs> and this frame actually helps people learn how to, it's a much better frame for understanding how to control our, our own bad habits. <laughs> right. Right. Because it comes, we, we understand that it actually comes from a place of something that gives us great energy. Mm -hmm. And it's actually something that people probably like about us when we use it appropriately. <laughs> but when we don't, it drives everybody nuts. That's really so, funny. So it's so funny, like our strengths can be, you know, our greatest asset, but also our greatest detriment. Yeah, good detriment. That's exactly what we're talking about. That, it's yeah. so crazy. <laughs> and that was like, you know, I've taken a ton of different assessments. Um, but that's what I loved about strength scope and your strength scope can change, right? So you can decide I want to work more on this one. Well, it doesn't change too much. So what we've, what we've seen over time is that typically your energy profile stays pretty stable. Mm -hmm. Now this assessment's only been around for 15 years, right? So we mm -hmm. don't have like, you know, 50 years of data to track on this, mm -hmm. but from what we can tell, this is a part of your personality that stays pretty consistent mm -hmm. over time. Um, so it's not going to change that much for most people, right? Are there outliers? Yeah. But you know, eight out of 10 people, something like that, it's going to stay the same, uh, <laughs> over time. Um, and I can see this even just in my own life, right? So one of the, one of the examples I use is, is detail orientation is one that I have as well. Um, but I didn't realize this when I first took the, the instrument. And so I, I, I took it out and I saw this huge long bar on, on detail orientation. I went to my wife and I said, 
who, look at this, this stupid assessment. Like this thing doesn't like, who is this? We're like, what, what is this crazy thing? Who is this person? She's like, that's you. Uh, have you met you? Um, I was like, what? Cause I had this, I had this association of myself as a big picture strategic person. Mm-hmm. And I did not think that could coexist with someone who also likes details. And now, of course, I realize, oh, my goodness, these things are both very much me. But mm-hmm. I had a huge blind spot mm-hmm. in that area of my life. So I, and I think if you even go back further and talk to my parents, you know, about me as a kid, they would say, oh, my goodness, yes, you're very <laughs> attentive to details. I've always been this way. Yeah. Um, so there's That's a lot of consistency. Funny. Yeah. It's funny how it kind of, any kind of assessment though, like, I mean, anything from like astrology to the Enneagram to string scope to whatever, they all give you insights somehow to how you perceive yourself, right? Yeah. Like, cause you can say, oh yeah, that is me. But then somebody else will be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, totally. Absolutely. Well, I think this is, you know, so what some, somebody told me this years ago that, that all assessments are wrong. Right. <laughs> in, in the sense that they can never capture the totality of a human, right? Like, so they're all wrong at some level, mm-hmm. um, but some assessments are helpful. Right. And that really is, so I'm not really an assessment person. I don't like most of them, uh, but I like this one because it's helpful mm-hmm. and it's practical. Yeah. And it, and it kind of, I, I think it applies to real life, right? I, I think that's the other challenge with a lot of these things. It was like, it's interesting. I think all assessments, frankly, are interesting. I'm yeah, uh, fascinated, obviously. <laughs> yeah. The question, though, becomes like, how does this actually help me in my day-to-day life? Like, how do I use it? What do I do with this? Now what? Yeah. How do uh, I do this? You know, what do I, you know, how do I apply this or what do we use it for? Or whatever? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the data here? Yeah. Yeah. And just knowing how to put it into my daily life or how to, how to use it to make my work better or make my relationships better. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the fatal flaw of all assessments, as far as I can tell. Like almost, mm. almost no one has, has cracked this around what do I do next? And, you know, honestly, that's why we built our app. That's what our app yeah. does. Oh, it does? <laughs> no, about the app? Yeah. Have to do that. Um, so that's uh, something, something new. We just released that last fall. Oh, that's cool. Awesome. We really um, wanted to answer this question. Like this is a big driving force behind it. Yeah. I mean, how do you this use now this? what question? Yeah. How do you use this data? you know, mm-hmm. to help, to help move your work forward yeah. in some way. Right. Um, you know, there's a hundred different assessments out there. Do you guys use any other ones? Just this or just this one? Just this one. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, again, I've seen, seen a ton of them. Um, Are they helpful in building teams? Yeah. Yeah. So you get like most of the, the, the most important thing, so I'll just bring us back here, like the most mm-hmm. important thing that you can, you can you know, quote, buy from Helios mm-hmm. is the philosophy, is, is mm-hmm. this idea that work should energize you. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about, if we go back to that idea, the team becomes essential because there's a lot of things that don't energize me, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? There's a lot of things that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. But then in our philosophy, then there's also this assumption that those things that I don't want to do, someone else will. Someone yeah. else really will love to would do love that. to do that stuff. Exactly. So that's part of this belief system. Mm-hmm. And what happens when you uh, kind of embrace that belief system is you start to hire differently. You start to kind of think about job roles differently. You start to say, we're going to find this person who loves to do this thing that nobody else on the team wants to do, <laughs> but needs to get done. Right? So we actually have practices around this in Helios where we collect these things. We have a, like a, 
a place where we collect, you know, Google Doc. Mm -hmm. Like if you've got something in your job that's really driving you crazy, make sure you put it on this list. And so we can look at these, these groupings of things that need doing. Mm -hmm. nobody wants to do here mm -hmm. right and then we can create a role we've done this multiple times we actually create a role out of a grouping of things that kind of go together and we put it out there and we say we want to like are you the person who would love doing these things then you mm -hmm. should come work with us it's tremendously successful like it, it works it works wonders it's a, it's a perfect and so you can take those things and then give them a test and be like okay they are a good fit for this yeah. And it's just easy to like easy matchup. Um, yeah, sometimes. I mean, it, you know, again, humans are more complicated than we maybe. Well, want. right. Um, the assessment helps, right? Cause it gives us a, a clue into what gives them energy. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of other things that come into to hiring, right? There's the, the fit with your culture and your values and your, your beliefs mm -hmm. and the way that we work. It's, it's very non-traditional right. as well. No, no hierarchy of any kind, et cetera. So that's, so there's some other factors, right? That, that people need if they want to fit in our company. Right. But the, but the core idea I think is in a team in general, the only way for me to be able to actually be more in my energizers more frequently mm -hmm. is to have a team. Uh, like I need other people who mm -hmm. like to do the things I don't. Otherwise I am constantly being pulled into areas where I'm not at my best and where I'm not energized. Yeah. So it has everything to do with the way you build your team. It's very interesting. Um, so I hired Emily, my VA, mm. back in October. Um, and I tell people all the time, it's the best thing I've done for myself and my business Absolutely. because she handles all the stuff mm. that I was fine at doing. I was fine doing, but was taking my energy. Yep. You know, she handles all that stuff now. And it's just like, okay, God, <laughs> I can well, breathe. Well, this is another, I think, really important point is to start separating. Um, this is one another one of those kind of unlearning things mm -hmm. is to separate ability mm -hmm. from energy. Like yes. you, you can do a lot of things. I can do a lot of things. <laughs> you might be able to do a lot of things well. Yeah. You probably don't want to do all of them. No. Right? Like that's, so the energy part is a key distinguishing feature. And again, it's, it's something we haven't learned to pay attention to. We can feel it. Mm -hmm. We've just kind of taught ourselves to ignore the feeling. Mm -hmm. Well, our bodies are very good energy detectors, right? We, we know when we feel energized and then we know when we've got the energy sucked out of us. Um, if we pay attention to it. It's actually funny. I'll ask um, business owners. I'm like, do you do your own bookkeeping? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, how do you feel about it? <laughs> yeah. Do you love it? Do you love it? <laughs> Does it make you so excited when stuff reconciles? Cause if that's not how you feel about it, <laughs> I actually have somebody on my team with just anytime something reconciles, it's just, you could just yeah. see her, just, just loves it. That's what you want though, right? Like, I know. well, and this is one of the, another kind of unlearning thing is, is this assumption that other people like what we like. This is our default perspective mm -hmm. uh, is that other, and other people like what we like and, or maybe they, they should like what we like. Right. And this happens all the time. Or they should make decisions the way we make decisions. Absolutely. Right. And this happens all the time in performance conversations. Like, mm -hmm. why, why can't you just do it the way I told you to do it? Right? Like, why is this so difficult for you to see these things the way I see them? Well, it's physically impossible for anyone <laughs> to see things the way you see them. Right. It's, it's, it's physically, biochemically impossible, mm -hmm. energetically impossible. It's, it's completely impossible for someone to see any other person to see the world the way you do. I know. Uh, and that is why this philosophy is so important, right? It starts to break down some of these really kind of 
deeply held assumptions mm -hmm. that are actually myths. Yeah. Uh, they're not true, uh, but they dictate a lot of the way we work. That's really interesting. And it's true. You know, that's really true. I mean, I, I was a tax manager for many years and I taught people how to do tax returns and some people would just do whatever you hand them. And some people are like, but why am I doing this? <laughs> what is this work paper for? Like why, you know, what, what are we trying to get to? You know, and so it really taught me how to teach people in a different way because yeah. not everybody can just follow work papers. Right. Right. You know? and, and, you know, now I've, I've kind of learned to think about some of that kind of stuff is, is indicators of, you know, what, what, what role should this person actually be in? Right. If they're asking a lot of why questions and mm -hmm. like, maybe that'll make them good at, you know, reconciling whatever you're trying to teach them mm -hmm. to do. Or, you know, maybe they actually should be in some sort of different role where they have a, you know, they're able to exercise kind of more creativity, more, you know, more big picture kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's just time for us to start looking at these, these questions or looking at these issues with bigger questions, mm -hmm. you know, saying, how, how does this actually uh, inform the, the work this kind of person ought to be doing right. at our organization? And how do we help them be at their best as often as possible? Right. Um, we haven't even gone through my first page. Of <laughs> You're going to have to come back. That's fine. Um, anyway, so you've built a couple of business. Um, I do kind of want to talk about like, what are some of the biggest struggles you've had in building those businesses? Mm. Yeah, let's see. Um, I think so. Yeah. A couple of things come to mind. So I started my, my career. So I started my kind of my solo practice in 2010 and, um, you know, working as a solo kind of consultant, coach, facilitator, speaker, um, is, 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 was an interesting thing. Uh, and so I, I spent about five years on airplanes, um, and just traveling all over the place, um, you know, doing all this, all this different stuff. And, and it was, it was fun and it was a great learning experience. And, as I kind of looked into my future about five years in, I thought all I saw was airports <laughs> in my future. And I mm. thought, I don't think that's really what I want. And so about five years ago, I started trying to figure out how to make this transition to a more kind of product-based uh, company, mm -hmm. uh, something that's a little bit uh, less of a service providing company and a little bit more of a, uh, of a product providing company. And that, that right there has been, probably the single greatest challenge of my entire life is to try to kind of figure out how to pivot my business mm -hmm. into more of a product focused company mm -hmm. that makes money when I'm, you know, not working or when mm -hmm. I'm sleeping. Um, and so that, that I think is, is probably the biggest challenge that I've. It's I've hard seen. to take a personal service uh -huh. and package it into a product. Yeah, I mean, yep. something you know we're working on right now is how yeah. do we, yeah. how do we take all this, yeah, and give it to the masses. Yeah, right? it's a, yeah, it's enormously difficult. Um, yeah, and I think then you know layer you know the other challenge that I think gets layered on top of that in in our business mm -hmm. is that we're we're really talking about something that nobody has any mental model for. Right, it all sounds like. like I'm <laughs> thinking about that a lot lately. Right? So like with, with accounting, right? There's, there's at least a mental model and there's an appreciation for why a business needs it. Yeah. Or sometimes. How it can help <laughs> or how it could help a business. Right. right. Mm -hmm. uh, with what we're, what we're doing, 
there's so much education in it. And there's so much saying, even just explaining what the heck we're talking about. Right? Like what? Energy intelligence, energy-based operating system. Like what, what in the world? Like, what is this? But it's a very, it's an unknown thing where right? we're kind of pushing into a market that's, that, that we believe is the future of work, mm-hmm. uh, but not, that future is not here yet. So a lot of, a lot of people don't understand it. So there's this additional element, I think, of trying to explain, oh, this is, this is what work could look like. Mm-hmm. I know you've never experienced that, right? Kind of to your, your earlier point mm-hmm. uh, about your husband, right? Like this, I know you've not experienced this in your current company, but I promise you it could be better. It's, it's an actual thing. <laughs> it's an actual real possibility. Right. Uh, but there's, so there's an element of that too, to say like, you know, there's a future that's better than the one that you're currently envisioning um, in how to paint that picture. And that, that's an enormous challenge, I would say. That's interesting. Well, an, an ongoing challenge for us. Yeah. I mean, I just, I tend to be one of those people that's just like, wow, that's fascinating. Like I just find everything interesting. So like you could, you know, you could just dump my brain full of stuff and I'll be like, cool, let's apply it. You know, like that's just how I roll. Right. <laughs> like I said, I was taking all the assessments, Yeah. Uh, you know, because I find all of this very fascinating. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the biggest obstacles? I'm actually going to bring it back, but um, what are some of the biggest obstacles to collaboration and distributed and distributed teams? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think the challenges for collaboration are, are probably remarkably similar in any team. They're probably more similar than they are different. In, mm-hmm. And I think this is a topic of, you know, kind of intense interest right now, especially mm-hmm. um, that question. And I think as, as we've been pondering this, I think that there's actually a lot more similarities than there are differences. And I think the same challenges plague any team, mm-hmm. whether they're in the same space or when they're virtually kind of dispersed. Um, and, though, and it really comes down, I, I think, uh, to this uh, topic of psychological safety. So are, mm-hmm. are you familiar with, with that? A little bit, but why don't you go ahead and explain I can it give us. Yeah, for, for people who haven't, who are listening to this, who maybe haven't been uh, familiarized with this. Uh, so the, the concept was first introduced in the late 90s, but it kind of came to prominence just somewhat recently in the last couple of years because Google did a study mm-hmm. uh, and they wanted to figure out why some of their teams were awesome and some of their teams were not <laughs> and so what like what, yeah what's mm-hmm. causing this right to happen and so google being you know google uh they decided to do a huge research study into this like, and so oh, they looked at we need data <laughs> yeah more data exactly so they looked at the you know half a century a century of academic data mm-hmm. on teams that they could find and then they applied it over a hundred of their own teams and data from them uh, to this study as well. And so they started isolating for all these variables, trying to figure out, oh, is it, you know, affinity? Is it, you know, gender? Is it, you know, what, what in the world is, is causing these great teams to be great and these other teams to be not great? Mm-hmm. And they couldn't figure it out. And they're, they're really struggling with trying to figure out what is the thing that, that makes this happen. Uh, eventually, they came across some work uh, by a Harvard professor named Amy Emmonson, mm-hmm. uh, and where in the late 90s, she put out this idea called psychological safety. Um, and once they applied this filter to their teams, everything dropped into place. It was like, oh, the great teams have this. Hmm. The not great teams don't. And so what's psychological safety? It's kind of what it sounds like. It's this idea that I feel safe, like psychologically safe, mm-hmm. to be myself mm-hmm. in my team. I can show up, be me, share my crazy ideas, uh, without fear of retribution, uh, mm-hmm. without you know fear of uh, someone shaming me, 
mm-hmm. um, without any kind of passive aggressive, you know, looks, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Um, right. So I can I can feel safe mm-hmm. to actually show up with all my idiosyncrasies and energizers and, and strengths, and I can come to my team with with uh, me being fully me. Mm-hmm. And when that is in place, everything works better. Hmm. So more innovation, more retention, uh, more you know, on and on. So all of these great, great things happen. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when we talk about collaboration, right, this is, this is kind of the crucial part of it, uh, is that there needs to be uh, a level, a you know, pretty high level of psychological safety being constantly cultivated, right? This isn't something you check off the list and, and you know, say it's done. This is right. something that's an ongoing practice, mm-hmm. right? It's just like in, in a, a marriage relationship or a friendship, right? Like constant. It's, an, it's a constant ongoing thing, right? To mm-hmm. make sure it's healthy. And so same thing in our teams. So there needs to be psychological safety uh, in the team. And going back to your question, I think this is the thing that, that all teams struggle with, no matter mm-hmm. they're, if they're in, you know, together in an office or if they're mm-hmm. dispersed across you know, however many different places. Mm-hmm. How do we create this, mm-hmm. this kind of feeling where it's okay to be me? I can mm-hmm. show up. I can ask my questions uh, as, as crazy as they might be, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so for us, the question really becomes, you know, how do you create that? Um, and that's actually, that, that's difficult, right? It's, it's a challenging thing. Um, and this is some of the things that we've been working on. We, we believe the app helps with this too. Um, but this is, this is one of those, those things. It's almost, here's, here's one, one tip. So if, you, if, you're, if you have a team and you want to be able to create more of this psychological safety, mm-hmm. whether you're in, you know, in person, and of course no one's in person right now, but um, whatever your team looks like, mm-hmm. right, you need to create this. And so how do you do that? And so what we would say is it's somewhat similar to the way that we've been doing team building for many years. Right? Mm-hmm. So if, we, if you think about the way we've been doing, right, you go to an offsite, you go to a hotel ballroom or whatever, right? And you, for a half a day or a whole day, or you go to a, a resort or you go to, you know, a camp or whatever your team does, right? You, mm-hmm. you, we do these activities to kind of do quote team building. Mm-hmm. And typically they don't happen very often, right? Typically they'll happen once a year, maybe twice a year, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're really lucky. Um, now, from our perspective, like the activities inside those things are probably pretty good. The problem is that doing it just once a year is kind of like showering once a year. Right. Could you do that? You could. Um, but should you? You know, probably not, right? It, it, it's really better for everyone. Uh, if, <laughs> if you if we have. <laughs> right. If you have better kind of, you know, team hygiene, right? Let's mm-hmm. say to bring this back into the team metaphor. Yeah, I like it. It's better if we do this regularly. Mm-hmm. And so what we want to encourage teams to do to build this psychological safety is put smaller practices into your, into your weekly team meetings that you do regularly. Mm-hmm. And you could take a cue from some of that stuff you maybe did on that retreat. And that's fine. But it needs to just happen more often. It needs to happen more frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to have... Uh, we need to be building these relationships, you know, between these colleagues. This is the other thing we've realized is, you know, even though I don't think most of us think about it this way, mm-hmm. these, these colleagues that we work with most are, are really some of the most core relationships in our lives. And I don't know if we think about it that way, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, you see those people probably more than you see your spouse or partner or mm-hmm. more than you see your kids. 
you, you talk to those people more than maybe anyone else, those people you work with the most. Mm-hmm. Those are core relationships in your life, whether we think about it that way or not. And finding ways to kind of build those relationships and make them healthier, make them more open and transparent and trusting uh, is a key part to, to helping teams collaborate better. Um, and it's something that just takes kind of constant practice. It doesn't take a lot of time, but it does take more consistent practice than, than the way we've been doing it uh, for most teams that I've seen. So interesting. Um, I actually was thinking about this the other day, like in all of the places I've worked, like I really only have like one or two lingering friendships from those mm. times. Interesting. But I, it's always very interesting to me that like, when I'd go back to those people and be like, Hey, you know, how are you doing or whatever? And I'm just like, we spent like all this time together and you right. don't want to like still hang out. Like, it's just weird. It's a little strange. Yeah. It's a little strange. And it's, yeah, we've got this really, really strange kind of perspective about, you know, things that happen at work and mm-hmm. how they're somehow different than the way that things happen literally everywhere else. <laughs> Like <laughs> at any other time in our life, at any other time in our lives, right? I mean, managers are a good example of this, right? You don't have a manager anywhere in your life, mm-hmm. except it would be offensive to you mm-hmm. to have a manager tell you what pants to wear in the movie. <laughs> right? Like that would be horribly offensive. Like this is insulting to me. I can pick my own pants. Thank you. Right. But this is what they do at work, right? Like and this, and everyone hates it, but it's, it's still normal. It's very interesting to me when you try to hand people's brains back though and you're like, hey, make decisions or tell me what needs to change or whatever. And they're like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> That's gone too far. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's, this is part of the unlearning though. I'd like to go all yeah, over. It is. Like, it's, it's, it's habitual. Right? We, we, yeah. we've been, since our very early days in education, we've been taught obedience. Mm-hmm not how to use our brains. We've been taught how to listen to someone else when they tell us how to use our brains. Mm-hmm. And so this, this process goes very far back into our, our earliest education. And so there's just a lot of unlearning that needs to, needs to happen for all of us. I mean, I'm still, I still catch myself doing these things. Yeah, I do too. And I tell my team, I had some bad managers and I know that, that they taught me how to manage and it's going to come out every once in a while. Yeah. Feel free to call me on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, and that's the other challenge, I think, is that stuff is caught, not taught. Yeah, we totally. Catch it. Yeah. Uh, we pick it up because of, yeah, this, this person led me for a couple of years, and mm-hmm. led me, but managed me for a couple yeah. of years. Yeah, I thought, that, thought that's how this works or whatever. Yeah, that's how I think of, yeah, exactly. So that's how yeah. I build the models, and then it just kind of propagates, yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, it's hard to unlearn that stuff, too. Yes, it is. It takes a lot of practice, and I think a community of people who are kind of encouraging us to keep going, yeah. you know, like yeah. other people. And then remind us that we're not crazy for, for thinking about work in a really different way. Yeah. And I think the accountability too, like would be, you know, to learn or change or whatever. Um, yeah. I think I'm kind of an outlier though. Cause I was always in businesses like, Ooh, let's change this and let's do this. And let, you know, like I see stuff here and people are sometimes, you know, that was really, really encouraged. And sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes not. Yeah. That, that kind of stuff got me fired a couple of times. Yeah. You know, or, you know, Maybe got me put in the back corner. <laughs> You talk a lot. <laughs> you have a lot of things to say about things. Exactly. exactly. So, I'm like, yeah, squeaky wheels. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to have to. So what are some of the biggest shifts you're seeing right now and how people are working? 
uh, like specifically right now? In terms yeah. Of coronavirus? So at the time of this recording, it's what, week two of coronavirus quarantine in Denver. Um, we're all trying to stay home. Yeah. Um, and so it's been very interesting. My, ha- my husband's here all the time now. Kids are here. Schools have been closed down for weeks. Um, I've always worked from home. So they're actually all in my office. Right. <laughs> Right. During the day, I, I was like, this is my house. This right. is my office. My space, people. Yeah. So, you know, you know, how are we seeing the shift in work? Yeah. Um, and it's just been very interesting to me how people are pivoting right now. Yeah. 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 And at this, at this moment in time, I think it'll be interesting, you know, to mm-hmm. look back. You interesting know, data set. Yeah. Six months, a year, you know, five, 10 years. Like people will be writing about this moment, you know, for, for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. This is, this is the, a really trend, you know, a, a powerful, impactful moment that none of us who are alive will, for, you know, will forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's, but it, what's interesting to me as I think about this is I'm, I'm curious what will stick, right? I, I think there's an opening right now for us to think and talk more about the ways we're working, right? At some, at some level, mm-hmm. some of the, the veneer around kind of the, the pomp of work um, has been removed, right? Like all of that stuff that we thought we needed to do, like going to a, a physical location. Mm-hmm. You Wearing know. pants. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wear something other than my yoga pants all day. Right. Um, I don't need to do that. I should just wear them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, like, like some of the, the kind of the, the silliness, right, of, of trying to separate work from home, right? And now everybody's kids are in the backgrounds of their, you know, their video chats, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's just like their dogs are jumping on their laps and like this, this like really artificial separation between work and the rest of our lives is that veil's kind of been torn away. It's really cool. Uh, and it is, it is cool. Like it gives us a really interesting opportunity. Mm-hmm to kind of have some different conversations about what is what really matters about the work we do. Mm-hmm. Does it really need to be all about this other stuff? Or does it need to be about, you know, the, the commute and the dress codes and the, you know, separating your family from it and like no flexibility in these specific hours. And like, is that really what work is? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think some of those, those questions, if we can ask them at a, at a deeper philosophical place, there's a, there's a shot. Like we've, we've got a shot at, at actually changing some things mm-hmm. kind of systemically about the way we work on the other side of this situation. It's really cool because, you know, all the stuff that you guys have talked about and like, you know, there's a lot of people out there who talk about culture and distributed work and all of that. Um, it's been slow moving. Yeah. And this might be like a catalyst to, you know, for some yeah. of the stuff to be applied. It could be. It absolutely could be. My, my other fear, though, is, is that maybe it won't be. Maybe, maybe everyone wants this to be just a blip on the road so they can get back to their commute and send their kids back to school mm-hmm. um, and just go back to the way that, that you know, the status quo, the way we've always mm-hmm. done it. And so that, I, I, you know, only time will tell, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but yeah, I, I do think there's a, there's a moment now um, when things, when we can start to have meaningful conversations about mental health mm-hmm. at work, about well-being mm-hmm. at work, about building healthier ways of working that actually don't, you know, kind of destroy things, right? Like you've probably seen these stories about, you know, dolphins showing up in the canals in Venice, right? Like, so <laughs> like the pollution dramatically de- decreasing. Yeah, I've seen some of that. It's so crazy. Right? Like it's, 
like the impact of, and so much of this is driven by our work habits. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we really need some, some deep philosophical conversations about the way we're working. And is this really the best we can do? Uh, right. I, it's so I don't crazy. think it is. I no, I think there's massive amounts of positive change that can happen from this. Um, you know, and I, we were talking before, but I have, uh, you know, we have a distributed team. We're a virtual accounting firm. Um, and we're actually kind of rare. You know, yeah. that's kind of how I built this thing. Um, yeah. And it's been rare to begin with. Right. Right. Um, but I'm watching all these people who do in-person taxes and things like that. They've had to stop doing that. And right. they're, they're, the, the mind just site change mm -hmm. to make that happen um, in their businesses is huge. Um, and I'm like, where y'all been? Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> you get access to talent everywhere. Right? Yeah. I got access way, to talent right? everywhere. Like, I got clients from California to North Carolina. You know, we get to pick who we work with. Right. We work virtually. Right. You know, I yeah. don't have to just open, you know, open my doors and hope people come in. Yeah. So uh, I think, I think there's a possibility, right. That, that mm -hmm. this moment in time will be an accelerant a catalyst to your point mm -hmm. uh, in, in helping us change some of these really outdated, outdated ways of, of thinking and working. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my hope, right? My hope is that we can um, use this time that no one asked for, right? Like, no one asked for this to happen. Um, and, right, there, humans, we are at our best when we're thinking forward. When, so I heard this the other day and I thought it was, was brilliant, uh, is that resilient, we think of resilience as bouncing back. Mm -hmm. But resilience at its best actually doesn't bounce back. It bounces forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a beautiful sentiment. Like how do we use this crazy opportunity that none of us asked for mm -hmm. uh, to bounce forward? Like mm -hmm. humans are at our best when we innovate, when we create, when we think about new ways uh, to do old things. Mm -hmm. um, this is a moment for that. Uh, yeah. If we're able to be at our best in this situation. Yeah. Uh, that again goes all the way kind of back to using your energizer. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you stay in your, in your place of flow, in your zone, stay mm -hmm. energized, take care of yourself so you can be in this place? To well, and forward. we all have to do that right now. Yeah. Like I was just telling somebody the other day, like I have to roll my sleeves up or I'm going to lose my mind. Like yeah. I have to support people. I have to, you know, I have to do this. I have to, you know, there's things that I have to fill my time with right. so that I'm not, but like, the amount of people that have gotten outside more. Like I've been outside more now in the last couple of weeks than I usually am, you know, right. like we're outside more, like we're doing stuff as a family more, um, you know, and it's very interesting how originally I was dreading it, you know, but now I'm kind of like, this is kind of cool. Like, you know, we're, my husband's making his own schedule and the kids are doing stuff and, you know, yeah. making messes because that's what they do. <laughs> but, you know, it's been interesting because usually my, my in-laws watch the kids hmm. um, and that's really where they're supposed to be right now, right now on spring break. But I'm like, you can't, sorry. Like they can't be with you. Like we can't yeah. cross expose anybody right now. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's been really interesting. And then, you know, to watch coffee shops change how they do work and liquor stores will change how they do work. And, you know, all these different businesses are shifting their models yeah. to something that works for right now that might yeah. grow them and later mm -hmm. right yeah i think so um and we primarily work with veterinarians and i'm like why mm. aren't you doing telemedicine now is the time you know like mm -hmm. innovate now 
Um, right. cause you're going to be in a better place at the end of this. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And so it's just been really interesting, um, to watch how different people adapt or don't adapt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not that I'm surprised about the people that aren't, you know, a lot of the time, like it just kind of, what as I read something the other day, there's, um, in the, in chaos, we see the foundation, mm. um, you know, so we can see this, the foundation of our economy. We can see the foundation of our healthcare system. We can see the foundation, like right. it's right. all become very clear in this chaos for us. Right. Right. Um, but how do we apply that? Yeah. Yeah. And so hopefully there is a, there's an opportunity in this for us to and reinvent some of these things at the system level. And right? that's, mm-hmm. that's where the reinvention needs to happen. Um, yeah, exactly to your point in, in a lot of different areas. Yeah. I, yeah. Hope, I hope we can do that. Yeah. I mean, I just think even if just a minuscule amount of people are like, my business is better mm. on the back end of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, you know, it had a good, you know, it's scary, but it also had a good impact. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see, right? It'll be yeah. interesting, but so much of it will depend on our collective perspective, right? If we can, if we can stay, stay focused on possibilities mm-hmm. and you know, building things and uh, constructive thinking and not let ourselves get too taken in by the fear and the panic, uh, which is also very real, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, it's, obviously fine to feel those things and it's, it's normal and natural to feel those yeah. things and we don't want to just shove those away or bury them yeah. or ignore them mm-hmm. um, and we don't want to stay there right, right. We, don't, we don't want to dwell there mm-hmm. uh, that's not where we want to set up our camp right we want to we want to really um, continually i think practice shifting our focus towards exactly to your point what can we create out of this mm-hmm. how can we innovate what, what can we do with this energy yeah right yeah what are we hey, doing with this I, like what, I like what you did there. <laughs> you know, what are we doing? You know, what are, what are we using our energy for? Are we using it? Exactly. For, you know, like, again, there is actual anxiety. There's actual fear. There's actual, like, those things are very real for a lot of people. Can, I mean, even me. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But on the back end of that, I'm just like, what is this? You know, let's focus this energy somewhere else. That's right. You know, how, yeah. is energy always, how do we, you know, yeah. what do we do? Energy always needs a direction. So before I ask my last question, what is the easiest way for people to find you? I think yeah, I'm not hard to find. On the internet. Um, so you can, you can find our company at helios.work.com. Helios.work. Um, you can you know, join our email list and stuff. We, we, we're we're going to be sending out a lot of, lot of stuff in the coming it's weeks. It's really good. Your, your, one of, your newsletter is one of my favorites. Um, so I keep, you know, he doesn't, he won't spam me though. You get like no, one we, a month. No, we don't. Maybe. We don't do um, but there's been more stuff lately and it's been, it's been good. It's been helpful. Yeah. And we're, we're going to put out a whole new series around stuff and just kind of around some of the stuff we talked about here. Mm-hmm. How do we respond to this, this current situation um, with new thinking, right? With, mm-hmm. with innovation. So yeah, you can do that at, at helios.work. Um, my site is joshallen.com. It's A-L-L-A-N, two A's, mm-hmm. two L's, joshallen.com. And then I'm on Twitter at Josh Allen. I'm on LinkedIn at Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. You can find me. Awesome. Whatever you like, I'd love to connect. Um, so what is the one piece of advice um, you would give a business who wants to build a resilient team? Mm. Yeah, I, I think, I think the, the advice is to remember that teams are made up of individuals. Um, Not and, robots. Yeah, and yeah, individual human beings, exactly. 
and that each human being has a, their own unique fingerprints of what, what lights them up, what gives them energy, mm-hmm. and what makes them go dim, what mm-hmm. drains their energy. Every human being's recipe is different. And so as much as possible, each person, like encourage each person to be going on this learning journey mm-hmm. of starting to understand that. And we start, we call this building energy intelligence. And so go on this journey, all of you as, as individuals to learn more about what, what brings you energy at work and what, and what sucks it out. Mm-hmm. Each person as an individual ought to commit to that journey. Uh, and then there's also a team aspect to this. So we, we, we call this me and we, right? There's a me and there's a we. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the me part, right, go on the individual journey and make it safe and okay for everyone to go on this individual journey. And the, the, really the only way to do this is for the leader to, to go first. Right. Uh, the leader needs to make it, make it okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then as a team, we're gonna, uh, we would recommend what you do is also kind of what we talked about earlier is, is simple practices that happen regularly, consistently in your team meetings mm-hmm. to start to share the things that you're learning about what gives you energy and what doesn't maybe overdrive, like we talked about, like these, mm-hmm. these things that I'm learning about me uh, that help me be at my best at work. Mm-hmm. Those things are really helpful for you to know if we work together, because again, these are core relationships we have in our lives mm-hmm. if we work together a lot. And so share them, right? It doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to take a lot of time, but even you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, a week mm-hmm. uh, inside your meeting where you, where you have a sharing practice around what you're learning, about yourselves um, and about each other as colleagues, mm-hmm. uh, it's magic. Like this is, this is stuff we've, we've been practicing in our team and it's, it's incredible what it's done for our levels of psychological safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're entirely virtual, right? And so I think, you know, again, to your question earlier, right? There's some unique challenges mm-hmm. there um, uh, because we don't run into each other in the hallways. So there almost has to be more communication. Um, again, we're more alike than we are different. So more, more sharing uh, about what we're learning. Uh, and then, yeah, so me, we, learn on your own, share it with your team. It's magic. So people can buy the Strength Scope on the website, right? So they can take a, yeah, so we, they can take it up to our online course. Mm-hmm. So we've got an online course okay, uh, awesome. where we deliver that. Um, we, we actually don't let people just take the assessment without there's some instruction around it because yep, again yep, yep. Our, our, our obsession is the now what mm-hmm. uh, information alone doesn't change anyone right if it did <laughs> the self-help industry would have fixed us all by now right. uh, and so yeah so you got to go through the course but the course is called upgrade your energy mm-hmm. and if people want to check that out it's at helios.work slash u-y-e upgrade your energy u-y-e that's the best place to find that awesome thank you so much for your time today i appreciate it My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant.